Trash Genre Cast, where we do film studies analysis on films that'll never make their way into a film studies course syllabus. However, this month we're doing a TV marathon. This week's television program, of which we watched three episodes, is Veronica Mars. But before we get any further into all of that, we need to do some introductions. To my left, sir, if you would. My name is Dalton Stewart, and hey, I used to be cool. Riding around in my Trans Am, blaring some Blue Oyster Cult with a foxy stacked blonde up front. Wait, that, that wasn't me. I've never been cool. I don't know what's more mis- disturbing, Foxy or Stats. Thank you very much. To my left, ma'am, if you'd introduce yourself as well. My name's Alexander Bohannon, and let's not forget Dalton Stewart. His dad makes $20 million a picture. He probably owns his action figure. Every podcast is an obligatory psychotic jackass. He's ours. Thank you. And my name is Dustin Sells, and I always bring backup. And I'm so glad to be here <laughs> with you all talking about this television program. Now, to warn you, dear listener, this is an analysis show, not a review show. There will be spoilers um, after our synopsis and our quick thumbs up, thumbs down review. So now you have been warned. And without any further ado, we have a synopsis from the voice of the cinema who is running production duties yet again, Mr. Arthur Gordon. After her best friend is murdered, and her father is removed as county sheriff. Veronica Mars dedicates her life to cracking the toughest mysteries in the affluent town of Neptune. Thank you very much. Yeah, there's a lot of Greek strangeness going on with Mars and Neptune and all of that in the names of places and peoples in this television program. However, let's move on to our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what say you? Well... This is my show. This is the show I suggested for this marathon, so obviously I like it a whole dang lot. It sits proudly on my shelf. I I kick back? No. Sorry. I backed the Kickstarter and uh, for the movie, and I'm just, I'm really excited to be able to talk about this show in a more academic capacity. Uh, Review-wise, it has some of the fastest, smartest dialogue I've ever seen on television, um, I really, really enjoy some of the, um, just the relationships between all of the actors. You can tell that they really got along and that they enjoyed spending time with each other. Um, I, I, there are some limits that once you watch this show over and over again, you'll see, oh, they're obviously masking, you know, certain things using, um, like school buses and just limitations of being a television show trying to film location-ish. I mean, they filmed in California. Um, So that's some issues that they try and go around. Um, As I've seen the whole series, I can say that most of the mysteries are satisfying. Season three gets a little uh, dragged down, but that was because they had kind of experimented with the new format before the show was canceled. Um, But for a show that goes on UPN with the same shows like Vampire Diaries and all those dime a dozen, you know, cheap kind of paranormal hootie what's it high school thrillers. I mean, this is top notch. That's right. This show is old enough to have aired on the UPN before it was part of the CW. 2004, baby. Well, thank you very much, Miss Bohannon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what say you in terms of review? That's all right. I mean, I, I... I guess I can elaborate. You gave me a look. Um, yes, please. Please. I, you know, I, I watched uh, the first six episodes because Alex was like, guys, the first three episodes aren't really that good. I need you to keep going just so you don't think I'm crazy. Please. Um, I, I like it all right. Um, I'm still not totally hooked. I'm probably going to go back to watching The West Wing um, <laughs> because that shit is awesome. I know that West Wing is the paragon of kind of American television cinematic experience as of the 2090s but 
It makes me really happy. Um, yeah. And Veronica Mars makes me kind of happy. <laughs> I, I mean, do what you love. Love what you do. <laughs> it's it's funny, and I, I enjoy the mysteries, and I think Kristen Bell is really great in this show. I mean, she she is definitely knocking it out of the park, and I, I think that the show really does get um, noir and, and neo-noir, and it does a really good job of representing that. Um, there's just something about it that doesn't quite catch me, and I, I don't really know what that is. Um, I, I don't know if it's because it's, you know it's probably constrained by what they could do both budgetarily and uh, standards and practices on the UPN. I, I don't really know, though. There's something about it that I'm just not totally immersed by it for some reason. I mean, it, it's perfectly fine. There's nothing absolutely broken about it, uh, but it just kind of doesn't really do it for me. Well, I, I can totally understand that. I am also... I like to think that it's not just nostalgia goggles clouding my vision on this one because I think it's probably just I watched this at a kind of similar place as Veronica. Um, I was in high school. You know, it wasn't 2014, so flip phones and <laughs> sidekick phones were <laughs> and the Matrix Online game weren't totally laughable references. Um, so after doing that, it was kind of a it was a unique show kind of in my growing up experience and there were just shows that kind of touch you like that and you're, everyone's like why do you like this oh. so much well <laughs> I don't I don't even think it's that I mean there's lots of people smarter than me that really like this show and have said really smart things about it um, I think it's just a, a matter of personal taste for me uh, again things I like about it I just don't uh, absolutely I'm not absolutely going for it for whatever reason well thank you very much Mr. Dalton Stewart what I would say in review is um, and uh, the do take this um, in the backhanded nature that it is, and for what it is, it is very not bad. It, it is, I mean, it, I, you know, it's fun. It's it's very not bad, and so it's not something that is in some way repulsive to me. I don't know if it goes so far as to be something like, oh man, I mean, I just love this. I want to watch tons and tons more of it. It doesn't quite grab me. I am not a teenage girl, never have been, and so I'm sure that's a that factor. we know of. That no, I'm not gonna. That skeleton's not coming out the closet today, and uh, so. I would say, yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of kind of Norish elements. Um, the budget does show. We talked about that earlier. There's a strange choice of process shots that goes on, and I might say some more about this later, where um, there's car scenes, and it's clearly rear-projected or slashed. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, those are... Green screen. Yikes. And, and I'm sure it's gr green screen, not rear-projection, but it, in some way it, it was a little attractive to me because it called to mind um, rear projection choices Hitchcock would make yeah. in films like Vertigo where he could have done it um, where it was more realistic and it would have looked more like exactly what was happening but chose not to. Oh, so are you saying this is more of like a commentary on the – more of like a genre commentary than – I don't know. I mean I, I kind of got a little bit of a nudge of that thought is what I would say doing that. And I don't know if it's just a happy accident or if it's something they did on purpose, um, but it was uh, also a little jarring and it did call attention to the device – you know, the apparatus of making um, a television program. So I'm not sure that's entirely successful for that reason because it doesn't carry the same sort of heft that a, a movie like Vertigo carries. Mm -hmm. But um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's worth watching. It's not it's not something where you want your 45 minutes back. And so it's definitely got that going for it. So I, I'm going to go with a very not bad as my verdict. I'll take it. I mean, I don't – I'm trying to remember, like, the other people that have – like this show independently besides me and I think we were all female so I don't know I'm not trying to insult you dear listener because I know there are male friends of the show um, I want to remind listeners that uh, for our TV marathon last year I suggested Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, so that that's that I we're like not sexist no yeah I like shows about broads Duh. 
it's as good as that. Moving. Fuck you. <laughs> moving right along, and I was not incredibly impressed with Buffy, but you can see that episode for um, that. For yes, of, lots of bickering. I back mean, and forth. maybe our. I mean, maybe I can understand that. My uh, Veronica Mars is your Buffy, and your Buffy is my Veronica Mars. Just That's like probably accurate. Probably accurate. And they're, yeah, they're both my Buffy and Veronica. For slap me. you. But <laughs> let's move on and do what we do. We're not here just to talk about how much we like the show because, frankly, that matters very little in terms of analysis. And so let's begin to uh, break the, f- the series. I'm almost said film again. I'm <laughs> old habits really do die hard. Uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what analysis bring you? And justice for all. Something that really struck me about the first handful of episodes I watched uh, were Veronica Mars. Um, and, and obviously, I think this is very intentional. I mean, the whole gist of this town is that it's very heavily um, class classified. Classicist. It's very classist. Um, you know, th- there are haves and there are have-nots, and Veronica even points out this is the town of no middle class. Um, and I think Rob Thomas and his writing staff are definitely trying to say something there. Uh, about the unfairness um, of justice. I mean, the whole reason, or not the whole reason, but part of Veronica's origin story is that she is uh, the victim of a date rape. And I'm not just talking about injustice for all being a crock of shit for uh, people with money. I'm also talking about being a crock of shit for men and women. Um, Because if you look at plenty of statistics, you will find that uh, th- there is definitely some disparity in the way that we treat people in the criminal justice system and the crimes uh, that we actually choose to criminalize um, and how we criminalize them. But but that's part of Veronica's whole origin story, is not only this, this thing that happens to her, but also this violence against a woman, um, in this case her friend, her best friend, um, and also um, her father's ousting as the sheriff because he has unpopular opinions about somebody with money. Um, so all of this leads Veronica down this path of being kind of this, this you know, righteous vindicator for uh, the disenfranchised. Um, you know, the first ten minutes of the show, she helps Wallace. Um, later in that episode, or maybe the next episode, she helps the same members of the biker gang uh, that strung him up, who are also, you know, without money uh, and are racial minorities in the town of Neptune. Um, and she also goes out of her way to help, you know, women who have been um, targeted by uh, people running scams and, and the sort. So I think there's definitely something to say for Veronica as this champion of people who are not fairly represented or uh, protected by the criminal justice system. I think that's really interesting, uh, and I really like that that's, you know, what the show ch- chose to do because it being a high school, you know, mystery series, they could have had Veronica solving all manner of silly things, uh, and what they choose to do instead is, for the most part, uh, have her 
you know, helping people who wouldn't otherwise be helped. I mean, there is one episode where she, episode where she helps her uh, her rich boyfriend and his rich friend um, as part of you know a missing car slash pinata full of steroids thing. Um, but again, by and large, uh, especially in these first six episodes, the cases she chooses to take on uh, seem to benefit those who the criminal justice system has forgotten about. So that was something I really appreciated about the show. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart, for that analysis. Miss Alexandra Bohannon, picker of the series, if you would, what analysis bring you? Well, I would just like to kind of reaffirm Dalton's point. I know that they've watched six episodes, and I've watched however many there are in the whole show, plus the movie, plus the novels. So, I mean, I do have a little more experience with the background. And You read the novels, too? What a fan. <laughs> okay, you know, you would listen to any novel that's narrated by Kristen Bell doing all the characters. Oh, that's adorable. She narrates all the characters, and they're almost, they're all spot on. It's perfect. It's In like the expanded the universe. It, it's not the prequels, they're sequels. It's all post-movie. In the expanded universe, I reiterate. No, it's okay. I'm really proud of that badge on this one. You should be. Okay. Hey, as somebody who's read uh, a good chunk of the Buffy Season 8 comics, I, I can't really talk that much shit. There I've you go. i read a Star Trek Deep Space Nine novel or two. See, so there you I go. I can't say much. Nerds. Yeah, nerd books. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, he, what he said is really accurate regarding... Um, being a champion for the disenfranchised, um, she it gets it can continually darker. Where one episode she's solving a missing persons case, where it actually is the per, the individual's uh, parent has committed suicide, and it's just like it, it gets progressively darker throughout the whole show. Um, so yes, she is definitely this um, champion of you know, those that the criminal justice system tends to forget, especially since justice comes in unique and um, not traditional ways. And I'll just leave it at that. You should just go watch the rest of the show. Um, as I would like to bring to the table, um, I was I was thinking long and hard about this show and about my choice and how much I just love this show. And go with me on a journey, dear listener, because I read this young adult novel over the weekend. Um, just like a really quick one of those silly teen dystopian yada yadas, not the Hunger Games, but like the Hunger Games. And I realized that recently, probably, I don't know, internet age and on, the girl power movement has got this this turn of not just creating girl power type scenarios of being really champions for women, but it's kind of got the Mary Sue syndrome if you will, of the internet. Um, Mary Sue being that you have all of these characters that are just utterly perfect in every way, that have lovable flaws. Everyone points to Bella Swan, but... Who's Mary Sue? Mary Sue? The It's that trope on the internet where... Okay. So, fan fiction writers... <laughs> we're going to go right here for a second. Hold no, on. that's fine. I want to know what we're talking about. Okay, so fan fiction writers basically would write these self-insert fan fictions mm. where there are these perfect characters and they're in the world of the whatever they're writing, Harry Potter. Gotcha. I know exactly what you're talking okay. about now. It's like self-insert fic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was talking about yeah. how... Dylan was a very nerdy yet ruggish good-looking rockabilly who found himself in the halls of Sunnydale High. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're welcome, listener. So there's a lot of these tropes and um, 
literature of making these characters just really perfect and, you know, looking up to them so severely. And I hate to say it, Veronica's a, a little bit of a Mary Sue. She has, she has problems. She definitely has problems. Like, I mean, she has an alcoholic and missing mother. She has a dead best friend. And she's been ousted from the popular kids. But if you go to Veronica with any problem, she's going to be the one to answer it. She's going to be the one to kick ass and take names and chew bubblegum and be cute and all of this stuff. And she's just this perfect, unattainable woman that, you know, a lot of the guys end up liking. And it's it, after a while, it does get to be unrealistic because she's good at everything. Like, Well, and I, I, I think, I mean, that's not exclusive to, to female characters. I mean, there's def- definitely a lot of that in the you know the noir that influences Veronica Mars. I mean, Philip Marlowe's such a badass and all the men want to be him and all the women want to be with him. And I mean, you know, Phil Marlowe and, um, oh, damn it, Dustin, who's the other one? Sam Spade. Sam Spade, that's who I meant, uh, at all. Um, and, you know, that carries on through basically every male hero. I mean, Jack Reacher, uh, you know, fig- or Jack Creature, if you're so inclined. Um, see episode I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely, you know, the tough guy that knows how to do everything. Oh, not only can he fly a plane, he's also got a PhD in economics. Yeah. Yeah. He, Matt, the Matt Giver syndrome, if you will. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and Rob Thomas thought of ca- casting Veronica originally writing the show. He wrote her as a guy and then he just, you hmm. know, after reworking the character and a lot of the plot, you know, turned her into Veronica. Interesting. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's a great choice, but at the same time, it's just like, it it leaves a little something to be desired to the point where in the last couple of episodes, whenever you see her like in these really like, I mean, literally life and death situations, like Lily's killer is after her. She is Yoinks. I mean, face to face stuck in a <laughs> literally stuck in a refrigerator and in a burning building. Like the killer locks her in there. That's a long, hard day. I'm yeah, pretty that, sure that happens in the video game Heavy Rain, which definitely came after Veronica Mars. That's hilarious. Yeah, um, so that d- definitely does happen. So it's kind of refreshing seeing her not e- being able to get out of that situation in those specific circumstances. Um, and so that's kind of one piece of analysis I wanted to bring. And the second is a larger theme of the entire series, which is the death of innocence. I mean, you throughout the whole thing you have you know veronica losing probably the most widely accepted symbol of innocence whatever you take to mean that but by losing her virginity um you know she's been in a way that is forceful and not not even tape having it taken away from her would be more accurate right and there are some weird details about it but you learn more in Mm -hmm. season two and it is legitimately that and so that situation with her mom and then, you know, everything from her just, like, pushing away all of these, you know, girly ideas. It, it feels like the death of Lily really marked the death of Veronica's childhood. Like, Lily is kind of this, you know, I don't know, help me, Mr. Freud, this part of her subconsciousness that, you know, once it's... I'm trying to articulate that it's this part of her being that is end up 
cut off. Well, once once it actually ends up being unleashed, it sort of makes her symptomatic, right? I mean, yeah. that'd be the Freudian lingo for it. Yeah. So, but once Lily is taken away, I mean, that's kind of the death of Veronica's childhood. Everything that made her happy, um, and then everything just goes downhill from there at that you know pivotal moment in her life. So, I think that the whole show can. It's it's really sad at watching someone's kind of death of purity, but it also watches like it's like a, a phoenix being reborn in ashes. She's coming back harder and stronger, and yes, maybe more ridiculously perfect and better aligned. Um, but despite all of that, she's able to overcome this maybe her innocence and her frivolity and her girlishness from her past is holding her back, and now she's able to become this you know in the movie she be, she had an internship with the FBI she gets she gets a JD and goes practices law and then comes back and solves harder murders um Ooh. so i mean it, she she might not have become that if you know the death of her innocence and her childhood and hadn't happened unfortunately um you know in terms of psychology and then of course in terms of her uh, dead best friend well said, Alex. Yes, thank you very much. The analysis I want to bring is uh, sort of some generic uh, work with genre. And, uh, of course, uh, everything you it's read... It's about genre, not that his analysis is generic. Correct. It's like, yeah, oh, we, that's kind of what I read into it. And he's just, like, copy-pasting this generic analysis. <laughs> Did you just say copy-pasting? Copy-pasta. Copy-pasta. That's when you copy and paste. Paste. Internet nerd. It's a... It's a, it's a Fine dish she, she, she lives on the internet, <laughs> much like some people in our studio Okay, audience. wouldn't it be awesome to have a whole dish of macaroni that was just like, they all just spelled out copy, like shape pasta, and then and they were <laughs> just what? a whole bowl. Macar- <laughs> macaroni made from regurgitated thoughts of others? I'm out. <laughs> disgusting. I'm, you know. It would just say copy, copy, copy all over again. Taking the show off the rails is my fucking job, you two. What are you doing? <laughs> just responding to what happens. <laughs> but in terms of genre and that which is generic, uh, anything you read about uh, Veronica Mars is going to mention the phrase film noir. It all began when this woman hired me. I could have been tough as nails, but those beautiful gray eyes were my weakness. When I gazed at her for the first time, I felt like a helpless baby. So you're a private detective? Didn't know they existed except in books, or else they were greasy little men snooping around hotel corridors. She wanted me to investigate her sister's disappearance, Corrine Moore. Just drove off one afternoon without saying a word. They found his car parked in some private garage. <laughs> Those gray eyes convinced me to take the case. And it's going to talk about how there are these noirish, neo-noirish tendencies uh, in the film. And I just want to talk about the tropes of film noir that the, the, the series touches on uh, that, that sort of uh, make it um, an analog to that sort of like the shiniest uh, bubblegum version, I think, that of, of film noir that we're experiencing. First of all um, – Amateur detectives. Amateur detectives are huge in mm-hmm. film noir. Um, sometimes films noir do te- have real detectives. Phil Marlowe and Sham Spade are great examples of proper professional private I, dicks. I, th- I think that comes up in The West Wing, by the way. The proper pluralization of film noir. It, 
I, I'm pretty sure Jed Bartlett says it's films noir, not film noirs. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm Googling. It's, it's films noir. Yeah, and, and Jed Bartlett says something. <laughs> maybe it's not films noir, but it's... it's something along those lines. Yeah, though. that's I, my brain just went... <laughs> <laughs> this is your brain on the West Wing. But um, and we have Veronica, where she is uh, the daughter of a private investigator. So and she's sort of been conscripted into assisting, um, not against her will, mind you, but she's helping out. And of course, this happens very often in these types of movies. Sometimes the investigation is a newspaper reporter or an insurance, uh, either claims adjuster or uh, an insurance investigator. Uh, like the examples being Double Indemnity and uh, the killers uh, of those sorts of stories, or even um, female protagonists who are sort of uh, just drawn into the circumstances of a, of a uh, murder typically and then uh, because of the just their presence in the situation they go on to investigate this seems to be mostly the case with Veronica although she has the additional uh, resources and assistance of having a father who's a former sheriff now running a private detective agency and so uh, she is uh, experiencing uh, or rather receiving uh, some of the necessary skills for that there's also the the issue of lighting of course films noir are Typically black and white films, there are some neo-noirs and some late um, films noir in the film noir cycle, which is roughly 1941 to 1958, if you're keeping track. And uh, those, those films are mostly black and white. Um, there are occasions when it's used in color. Uh, a great color example of film noir is uh, Chinatown. Uh, in a sort of a second cycle that begins in the 70s, directed by Roman Polanski. And uh, that's using sort of a sepia tone. Uh, another thing that happens in film noir that's being made use of in Veronica Mars, though, is uh, the use of sort of a neon sign. Uh, the greens and the reds, the amber hues. Uh, see uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's Drive, for example, of this sort of aesthetic. Um, or even it's just sort of a cold cityscape um, kind of aesthetic that you see from time to time. And so that aesthetic is being used throughout and uh, there's a, a lot of uh, uh, another very very specific trope which is the uh, the fatale and uh, in film noir typically it's the femme fatale but in this case we have a female protagonist and uh, when that happens not always but typically um, there are no femme fatales although I don't know what Paris Hilton's classification would be other than bimbo but um, <laughs> she's something uh, in, in, in the series um, she's in it for a minute yeah. for one whole episode <clears throat> But there are on um, what they call the home fatale, which are the dangerous, deadly men. And oh, she has well, that's a, Logan, right? Obviously, yeah. Most definitely, uh, and, and others um, at times seem to function in in that way. Well, her, her, yeah, her temporary boyfriend Troy seems to have some of those fatale aspects. He definitely certainly. has a past, and he is sort of dangerous to be around because how that past may come back and bite everyone. Um, in the end, and and so that's that's another sort of major noir-ish trope that's going on, and then also the the willingness of the the subject matter of the uh, film or television series in this case to deal with that which is uh, transgressive. And uh, I think the best example of the half dozen or so episodes that I saw was the episode uh, featuring the search for Mr. John Smith, um, the father of the video store kid. Did you I have, really like that it was episode. A good episode. Yeah, it's really good. Like I think whenever I watched it, I was very like a lot younger, and I just didn't know what to think of that episode. But I was just like, this is in two thousand four. Yeah, no, and just definitely. like crazy. No, fourteen year old Dalton would have not had a clue what to do with that episode, but twenty four year old Dalton. Uh, really uh, impressed with that episode. Yeah. The, the young kid who basically thinks his dad is dead because that's what he's told. He's only reporting the case to Veronica so he can get a chance to talk more to Veronica because she's amazing. And, uh, you know, she's... Amazing. What is it with this chick? She have beer-flavored nipples? 
And so he's very, very interested in her, and so he uses it as sort of a ruse for conversation because he would like a chance with her because she's at least a nine as they give their ratings to her. And uh, so the search begins, and she searches in earnest and makes use of a great many detective tools. And turns out there is a response, so there is an actual chance that the ruse is actually being um, welched, or rather not welched, but uh, double-crossed upon him. And she really, or rather he really is out there. But twist and kicker at the end, and this is a spoiler thing, uh, she turns out to have had a uh, gender reassignment surgery, and that's why mom told him she was dead. Well, and that's certainly, I mean, that is definitely very film noir, not just in the um, taboo nature of the case, but also in that the person giving the case thinks it's a sham and it turns out to be a real case. There's something very twisty going on. And yeah. then again, dealing with these sort of what we would call transgressive um, subject matters, things that are taboos, things that we don't really talk about a lot in you know popular discourse. And uh, that I find to be quite brilliant about the show. And so uh, what I, all I want to do with this bit of analysis is just to give you that it has a real genuine film noir parody – or not parody, excuse me, a film noir pedigree where it is um, – where it's been influenced by the movement. It's not just something, oh, detective stuff, and sometimes it's at night, therefore film noir. There's, there's quite a bit more thought about the classic, you know, James N. Kane, Raymond Chandler, um, Dashiell Hammett sort of hard-boiled detective story. Well, um, yeah, and references are made uh, between Veronica and her father, uh, Mr. Mars, mm-hmm. in, in that regard. I mean, they reference, he does a Sam Spade and one episode and another episode, he talks about the getaway sticks on the gal that came in the office, and she said, you put the screws to him, pa. Yeah, it's, yeah. Good, it's good stuff. And so there's a, there's a real genetic connection. It's not just, you know, they, they've just taken a moment or two from that movement and then just moved on. They've really sort of uh, really uh, immersed themselves uh, in the classic 30s hard-boiled novels and the classic 1940s and 50s film noir uh, detective stories. And so that, I think, is quite brilliant. And, uh, you know, one of the most um, laudable aspects of the series. So, well, let us move on. Thank you, dear co-hosts, for that excellent analysis. Um, I say it's excellent. I wonder what you might say, dear listener. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. And now we must move to our verdict, where we must decide shelf or trash, else or instead. I ask you first, Miss Bohannon, what say you? Guys, you already know this. This is going to be on my shelf. This is already on my shelf, and I am proud that it's on my shelf. It is a show that doesn't really get old for me. Um, there are so many things that I wish I could talk about, but I'm just hoping and praying that Dustin and Dalton will someday get bored of the West Wing and watch this show because it really does get better and it gets even more taboo and more like, oh my gosh, this is on UPN. Oh my gosh, this is on like public non-cable TV. And so yes, just please give it a go, dear listener, because it is definitely worth your time. A very rewarding show. Um, and for my, uh, since that's on my shelf, I'll give you some further recommendations that I would encourage you to check out TV wise. Um, I'm going to obviously recommend you to check out BBC's reboot of Sherlock. Good choice. Um, I have a penchant for all things kind of amateur detective, you know, people argue about, well, Sherlock Holmes, amateur detective. but Consulting detective. Consulting detective. Um, and so that's a really good reboot, definitely worth your time. 
Um, I would say that another one that's maybe it's built on the kind of Sherlockian um, model, uh, House MD. I know I've talked about House before, but I tend to like a lot of same similar genres of shows for a reason. And oh, blast it! I had another one, but I can't remember what it is right now. <laughs> Happens to us all yes. the time. But thank you very Far much. Far too frequently, Miss Bohannon, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What say you? Shell for trash, else or instead? Well, just because it's not for me doesn't mean you should put it in the trash. I mean, I definitely give it a, you know, eight tasers and pit bulls out of a possible sixteen. Uh, but I'm definitely not going to put it in the trash because that seems rude. Um, <laughs> like I said, not for me, but I, I think there's something to be gleaned from it. And as, as Dustin said, I mean, it definitely shows it's more pedigree, and that's it's fun just for that, uh, even if you don't like it. Um, but instead, I'm going to recommend uh, two different things. First off, uh, a film we talked about long ago, um, or two years ago at this point, actually, and that is uh, Ryan Johnson's debut film, Brick which is about another high school detective starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, I love that film dearly um, and can't more highly recommend it to everyone. Um, and I think that's a very, very good high school noir film. Brick was a, was a show that I thought about a lot as I was watching it. And, and I think part of why I, I, I have less positive... You said show. Show, movie. I know, right? I can't, can't do one or the other. Um, is one I thought about because I... This is, this is part of the negative review. I kept thinking how much I'd rather be watching Brick right now. Brendan? Emily? I really screwed up. Screwed up how? The brick. What? I, I didn't know it was bad, but the pin's on it now. You gotta help me. Slow down now. This isn't good? No. Emily said words I didn't know. Tell me if they catch. Brick? No. Tug? Tug might be a drink. Like milk and vodka. Pin? You know the kingpin. Dope runner, right? Big time. What are you gonna do? She asked for my help. I just want to know she's okay. So what's first? I'm going to start shaking things up. That's valid, yeah. And so there's something going on there. Well, I'm just definitely going to check it out because I've heard good things about it. But you now should. that you say that, I definitely have to give it a go. I'm also going to recommend a TV show that we're doing next week as Arthur Gordon's choice, and that is Orange is the New Black uh, because it's another film about an upper-middle-class blonde girl who he has... Said film. Motherfuck! TV series. And that's another TV series about an upper middle class uh, blonde girl who has, or woman in this case, who has taken far from her element and forced to uh, get tough quickly, uh, this time in a women's correctional facility. Um, I really like that show a lot, uh, and I can't wait to talk about it next week. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I am probably going to say not shelf but stream if what we've said so far in any way plucks your interest. Um, it's not a pass. I mean, again, it's very not bad. So, I mean, I like it, but it's not just the best thing that's ever happened in the history of things. So I would give it, you know, a 7.68432 um, marshmallows out of a possible 9.873. And uh, because we have to be very specific in our numbers, apparently. And so I like it. it it's more fun that way. It is. And so what else, or what, yeah, I guess else. You should watch. Um, get into the classic film noir. Uh, that's, I'm going to make those recommends. So I think you need to check out the two Sam Spade, or rather two Humphrey Bogart um, great films noir, which are The Maltese Falcon and The Big Sleep. And then um, to move it a little bit forward where we have a female amateur investigator who's just sort of thrust in the events, um, Alfred Hitchcock's Shadow of a Doubt, which does take place in a small California town. And uh, I think there's definitely um, some traction there between those two um, 
I was going to say two programs. I guess one of them's a program, one of them's a film. So I have to pick, and they're both, I guess, right? I'm going to piggyback off of that, Dustin, and, and recommend uh, two early neo-noirs, one of which you um, already name-checked, uh, that being Chinatown, uh, and the other one being the Robert Altman film. Um, oh, damn it. The, the other one being the Robert Altman film, uh, The Long Goodbye, starring a 70s um, Rob, or Philip Marlowe um, as played by wonderfully played by Elliot Gould I really like that movie a lot that's a good pick yeah I, I thought you'd appreciate that so well thank you very much for that dear co-host dear listener you may have additional homework outside of the syllabus assignment for this week but let's move on to where you can continue the conversation with us through the magical means that we all know as social media Ms. Alexandra Bohannon, do you know anything about social media means by which a conversation may be held? Is there commentary or comments to be found in that location? Sure thing, Dustin. You can find us at Good Trash Genre Cast at, on Facebook. I was going to give you the ex- exact URL, but I couldn't remember it. Let's see. I'm pulling it up right as we speak. It's facebook.com forward slash Good Trash Genre Cast. Um, it looks like we haven't got any new uh, comments, but we do have, uh, oddly, 30 new page views recently. And um, also, Brigham Cole didn't really post this on the page, but he did tag most of us here at Good Trash and a couple others in saying that Jared Leto may play the new Joker, question mark? It is rumored, but that's all the you know the commentary we have coming in from the book face. I approve. I hope that would happen. That would be fantastic as far as I'm concerned. Well, thank you very much, Ms. Bohannon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, do you know anything else about social media means? How was my date, you say? Well, you know, the conversation was lousy, but the tweets were fantastic. Oh, that one was good. Yeah, that's, I, I really, that Shame. was a fun moment. Um, we don't really have much feedback coming in this week on the Twitter. Uh, if you do want to find us there, though, it's at good underscore trash on Twitter.com. Um, we do have a, a, a comment, I should say, from a... Uh, Brad Lepperson on our episode over the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Mr. Epperson writes in, Tob- Toby Hooper, I, every time I read it, I want to say Tobe. I don't give a damn. Toby Hooper's message uh, about the other from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, totally intentional. See also his movie, The Fun House. Bad movie, but pairs well. I appreciated that feedback, Brad. Uh, we also got a bunch of uh, new uh, followers, some of which look like they might be real people, uh, some of which look like they're probably not. Uh, but, you know, I appreciate them boosting our listener or our follower numbers nonetheless. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. And, of course, you can email us, goodtrashdonorcast at gmail, as in googlemail.com. And we'd love to have a lengthier conversation uh, with you through that particular mean. Of course, you can subscribe to the show at iTunes. You can follow us and keep listening to the show via Stitcher Internet Radio. We're going to just keep going to the good old Podbean website, uh, goodtrashdonorcast.podbean.com, and find all of our episodes and back catalog right there. And, of course, dear listener, we got to remind you, that this episode, episode number 97, is an episode in which we are not asking for any comments or ratings on iTunes. We want you all to wait in between episodes number 99 and 100 for our grand centennial episode. We'd like for you to flood it up with um, your reviews, honest reviews, how you actually, what you actually think about our show. And, uh, again, uh, just give us some commentary and some feedback there because it would be very, very helpful if it all came in once at once because of iTunes and their strength algorithmic algorithms so we move on now as the hour grows late and I realize it's time to play the game time to play the game time to play the game 
This week's game is our favorite cult television series. That's right, favorite cult television series, brought to you by Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars, when your show gets unceremoniously canceled, make the fans pay for it. That's totally what happened. <laughs> He's just like punching me in my laugh box like week after week. You're welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> M- Mr. Dalton Stewart, what are your picks? Well, I have a couple. Uh, the first one is actually another project that the creator and uh, head writer of Veronica Mars was involved with, uh, and that is a show he co-created with Paul Rudd and a couple of other cats, uh, Party Down, which features a lot, a lot of people that were on Veronica Mars, uh, both as regulars and as um, guest, guest stars. stars. Adam Scott guest stars in a later episode of Veronica Mars, and he's the lead on Party Down. Uh, Ryan Hansen, who shows up in the background of Veronica Mars, but later becomes a bigger character, uh, I know this because Alex told me, um, by the name of Dick Casablancas. That's not a total intentional uh, reference. Um, Dick and Casablancas. Yeah, there's something there. Um, He is another one of the leads on Party Down, and it is such a great show. It lasted for two seasons on Showtime, uh, and they've been struggling to get a film made of that for a while. I absolutely adore that show. It is so funny, so well-written. The other people rounding out the main cast... Uh, apart from Ryan Hansen and Adam Scott, are Ken Marino, also uh, Veronica Mars um, cast alum, Jane Lynch, also Veronica Mars cast alum, Lizzie Kaplan, who I love to the end of the earth and back, uh, and Martin Starr. Um, also, uh, also Megan Mullally shows up in season two. Um, so just watch the damn show. It's really funny. The whole series is streaming on Hulu currently if you have a Plus membership. Um, finally, I would be remiss and totally unpredictable if I left off my very favorite cult TV series, Joss Whedon's Firefly. I was, you took mine, but I figured you would get it anyway. Of course I did. Uh, also, much like Veronica Mars, it got a continuation in the way of a feature film. Uh, unlike Veronica Mars, it probably will not have a sequel ever. Because we are quickly approaching 10 years out from the film Serenity. Yeah, we're just too far. But do you think that they'd ever write novelizations? Because he's never... Oh, they, they have. And they, oh, they're okay. comic books. Uh, there's not a lot of them. There's not like an ongoing comic series. Although I think they might be working on one. Uh, they were just a couple of, you know, limited uh, series and uh, one-shots. But those are my picks for my, my very favorite cult television programs. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Miss Alexandra Bohannon, what are your cult TV picks? Well, um, he totally took... The obviously the most obvious one, uh, which is <laughs> Firefly. Well, Backhanded. I mean, oh no, no, no! I was just saying that in terms of cult TV phenomenon, Firefly did the whole treatment. Um, you could say Arrested Development's kind of culty. But, oh, certainly. Um, you know, gets more stre- steam now that it's on Netflix with the Netflix's own series uh, season. Um, let me see. Oh, another one. I finally remember my choice for. Um, the film noir, but this totally goes for cult TV as well. Um, Moonlight, which is a film noirish television show, lasted like I think it was e- just one season. Uh, I can't remember the main actors, but it has Jason Doring as a really pissed off vampire, and it basically oh is, yeah, you mentioned this a couple yes, weeks ago. Yeah, it is a uh, it is a crime fighting show where the main character is a vampire. And he pairs up with a pretty young, young blonde woman, and they just uh, go to town. And Jason Doring is a really great uh, 
basically Logan Eccles as a vampire that, you know. I will say, um, when Dustin dropped in the, um, you know, the opening narration for that show, when you mentioned it last time, I suddenly became kind of intrigued. I mean, it, it's... I mean, it's only a season, so... Yeah. I, I, it's it on YouTube. You can watch it. It's there. It's on YouTube? Yep. For Freezies? It was. Huh. It's probably pulled now, uh, but... Until the, um, you know, the franchise copyright jerk faces take it back over. Uh, well, Mr. Sells, what are your picks for favorite cult television programs? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin with Confession, and then I'm going to try to reestablish my credibility as a human being. Okay. And so... Um, Fire away. <laughs> uh, because this is something of a guilty pleasure. It's Big Bang Theory, isn't it? Negative. <laughs> uh, I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to name Highlander the television series. Oh, shit. I, I can walk. I mean, it's not good. I, no, it, it is not even very not bad. It's, does does it, that qualify? I mean, that show was on for like nine years. But um, it's still, though, that is ne- never was super popular. That's never true. Never made a ton of awards, never made a ton of waves. But I can watch that show all the time. And uh, it's... It's soapy and just, you know, generic and, uh, you know, kind of prefabricated storytelling. But I don't care because he's Scottish with a samurai sword. And what more do you need? Yeah, seriously. that th- I mean, that alone is fabulous. Uh, for the record, Highlander is a piece of shit franchise. I'm yeah. not above saying it. Even the first one's not very good, but there is something really endearing about it. Oh, I love those movies. They're not very good. I love them very, very, very much. <laughs> I feel like I'm in Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Highlander? It's a movie. Any good? Very good. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Now, trying to regain credibility, I go back to a show that I picked last time we were together doing television series, and that is David Lynch's Twin Peaks, which does all the fun film noir things, does all the weird, wonky, crazy, surrealist things. Very weird. Strange soap opera kind of things, and it knows what it's doing, and it doesn't care. And, uh, you know, David Frost is unable, or rather Mark Frost, is unable to rein in Mr. Lynch at points, and yet he still does at others, and that's probably why it still makes it instead of just going completely off the rails. And it's endlessly watchable for me. I've seen the series all the way through, probably three times now. And it's only two it's only two seasons, but good times. And I even like the movie that everyone hated that was following the prequel. And we uh, did do an episode over that last year. And you can also uh, hear me and Dustin watching the third episode uh, and commenting on it as we watch it. Stay tuned to the end where I lose my fucking mind. Uh, just to warn you, dear listener, if you are thinking about checking out Twin Peaks, you will not know whether or not you're in or not until the end of the third episode. Once you make it through that, you'll know if it's for you or not. I'm not going to guarantee that it'll be something that you'll like, but it really isn't what it is until uh, the second half of episode three. Totally Zen accurate. or the art of catching a killer. And so you should definitely check that out. There is that little clip from a Weird Al song where it's like, um, it's, can't watch this and thing and he says and twin peaks can't stand those do- donut eating freaks mm-hmm. that's, stuff. Yeah. that's accurate <laughs> so we move on now and to conclude Words. the show as we always do i want to find out just how fired up my crew is yeah turn me up Ms. Alexander Bohannon, are you 
fired up this week? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I'm fired up at seeing um, not really anything lately. I haven't really watched any movies. I watched Veronica Mars. And She's been too busy with her Veronica Mars rewatch. Yeah, exactly. And um, nope, no fire here, Captain. Well, that, that's just fine. It's okay to be um, have the uh, furnace turned off on occasion. Mr. Dalton Stewart, are you fired up this week? I am. Um, as I've mentioned probably three times now uh, throughout the course of this episode, I am really into the West Wing now because of Dustin's selection of it last <laughs> week. That's awesome. I am now on the third season of the West Wing. Oh, my Wing. God. Have you not been sleeping? <laughs> I've had a lot of free time. I've I've had days off and... Canceled dates, so I've been watching a lot of fucking television. Um, the th- opener for season three is non-canonical, um, or non-canonical, I should say. Um, it is titled Isaac and Ishmael, and it is awesome. I use it to teach in class. Wait, it's, it's so not good. canonical? So I, I will it's, explain. It's not in continuity. It's oh. Yeah, it's not in continuity. It's, it, oh. it happens, but it's not, it's not the, uh, it doesn't trace the arc that ends in season two's finale. Because a little thing happened. Season three um, premiered in the fall of 2001. Oh. Every television series had its uh, premiere week pushed back a week because of the events of September 11th. Aaron Sorkin and his writing staff got together and put together an episode that directly addressed um, Islamic terrorism um, in a non-continuity season opener. Um, Apparently when it aired, they say before the show, you know, this isn't part of the show proper, uh, but we felt like we had to do this. Um, That's not on Netflix, but apparently when it aired live, uh, they kind of preempted it. The show never directly mentions 9-11. It never says the words 9-11. It never says the word... Well, in the fictitious universe, 9-11 doesn't actually happen. Yes. They never say the World Trade Center, um, but the White House goes on lockdown, and they've mentioned that they've been on lockdown like six times in the last two weeks. Um, So they're on lockdown because of um, somebody that may or may not be connected uh, to an active terrorist um, is in the building. And as a part of that, uh, Josh gets stuck shepherding a group of students that are visiting the White House. You know how much Josh likes high school students, right? Not very much. Uh, Toby, CJ, uh, and even Charlie um, get in on the fun as well, and Sam, obviously. Um, and basically they just talk about even Mrs. Bartlett, or Dr. Bartlett, rather, uh, get in on talking to these kids um, and explaining um, Islamic extremism. Now, granted, it is a very preachy episode. It's probably the preachiest episode of The West Wing that I've seen by far. Um, but damn it if it didn't make me um, well up at the end. Um, it's it's a really moving episode, and you know it's the thought that counts sometimes, and I, I really appreciate that. And if you never watch an episode of The West Wing, other than the ones we did for the show, I would recommend you go ahead and skip ahead to that one, because you can totally watch it without knowing anything else about the series. You all are bother me. I say we kill you all. Okay, well, maybe not all of you. We still need the Yankees and the Knicks. And I guess the Yankees and, and the Knicks need someone to play so we can keep uh, the Red Sox and the LA Lakers. Lakers. And the Laker girls. And the Laker girls. And the staff of the Palm. Yeah, because it's steak, basketball, and football. That's all I really want. Steak, steak, Laker girls, basketball, baseball. 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 Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Toby's got a great moment in it's that hilarious. episode. hilarious. Um, I'm also fired up. I went to the cinema a couple of times uh, over the last week. I saw Nightcrawler starring uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, the directorial debut of Tony Gilroy, or maybe his brother. I don't remember. Um, it is a hell of a movie. Uh, um, I'm not sure how good it is. I know I really liked it, and I know Jake Gyllenhaal is absolutely fantastic in it. Um, it tells a story of a sociopathic entrepreneur who discovers the uh, profession of night crawling, which is being a freelance uh, 
video journalist who basically r- listens to police scanners and goes to where bad things are happening and films Ambulance them. chasing, not for lawyers, but for news people. Exactly. Um, and it's it's something else. That sounds really cool. It's a very, very interesting film, and I like it a lot. It's got a powerful lot. trailer. I can say that much for it. The film is much better than the trailer, and the trailer hides uh, its cards close to the vest fairly well, considering the trailer seems like it gives everything away, and it does not. Uh, last and certainly not least, I was um, fortunate enough to be able to go to Dallas, Texas this weekend and see Interstellar in 70, glorious 70-millimeter film. I can't tell you how happy it made me sitting in that theater to hear the projector whirr to life and see a little faint flicker as the opening titles uh, came up on screen. Um, obviously, film is not for every film. I would absolutely be disgusted to see a David Fincher film uh, on uh, 35 millimeter because he shoots in digital, so that would just be stupid. Uh, but uh, Christopher Nolan loves shooting on film, and why not see one of his films on actual celluloid if you have the chance? Um, 70 millimeter, for those of you not in the know, is as you would expect, twice as large as 35 millimeter, uh, meaning the resolution and the colors. That's math, y'all. Yeah, meaning the uh, resolution and the colors are greater and um, quite a bit larger. It's presented on a very, very, very wide screen. Um, uh, akin in width to um, really the, the widescreen presentation you're looking at uh, ratio-wise is, is fairly similar to what you'd see on an IMAX screen. It's not necessarily quite that big, but just in terms of the actual ratios of how much wider the screen is than uh, the height of the screen. Um, man, it made me happy to see those cigarette burns during the real uh, changes, I'll tell you that. Uh, Interstellar itself, I, I really liked. Um, I can recognize there's some problems with the film itself. But I found it so moving and so awe-inspiring and made me want to go back to college so I could become a damn astronaut um, that I don't care. So go see Interstellar. Um, make up your own mind. It's been kind of weirdly divisive among critics, critics um, but all the professional writers who are talking about it are saying you definitely need to see this, even if it's not my cup of tea. Uh, and that's what's got me fired up this week in popular cultures. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Dolan Stewart. I have been living in a hole for the past week, so there's nothing I've actually seen that's consumable. But I do want to make one recommendation before I talk about why I've been in my hole, and that is uh, Guillermo del Toro's produced Book of Life is out this weekend, and uh, it's it's the Dia de los Muertos um, kids cartoon animated story, um, and it looks like tons of fun. It's kind of a fairy tale, but very very um, Mexican, very very Latino. And Somebody so, good needs times. to get themselves. A Del Toro rule. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, maybe so. Are you gonna Are you gonna take the kids to see that one? I don't know. I need I need to look at some press first and just make sure it's because I don't, I don't even know what the rating is on it. Honestly. PG is it PG? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, got Channing yeah. Tatum doing the lead voice. Wasn't yeah, that hilarious? I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, Channing Tatum is not a guarantee of PG. That's true. Yeah, definitely not. He did make that other movie. I wouldn't a, take them. to A that. couple other movies, and he cameoed in that one movie awesomely. So I'm not going to take them to either of those. But yeah. um, so that's that's got me kind of fired up, and something I definitely want to be catching in my near future. But um, I haven't caught anything this entire week because today, this very day, I drove straight from the University of Central Oklahoma, having just completed my comprehensive exam, and so I just uh, got my MA in film studies. Uh, Woo! He passed, y'all. He's only been talking about it since we've been doing this show. Yeah. So I'm out. I'm finally there. I start my PhD at Oklahoma State University in January. That's two months from now. And so I got a little studying to do, y'all. But uh, good times, and uh, very, very excited about that. And uh, we're going to party a little around here at the house, I think, uh, directly following record time. So, yay.
Well, moving right along, thank you so much, dear co-host. Thank you for listening so far, dear listener. I am so glad you've endured what we've had to say. But I do want to let you know that next time we'll be continuing our TV marathon with a pick from Mr. Arthur Gordon, who will be in the house, discussing the Netflix original series, Orange is the New Black. It's a prison drama with ladies in it. So Dramedy. Drama. Yeah, it's funny, yeah. Yeah. There's funny to it. I'm excited. You've watched the show, right? I've seen a little bit of it. I've seen probably eight or nine episodes. I haven't seen a lick of it. Okay, well, I've seen all of both seasons that are currently streaming, so I'm excited to watch it with you guys. Good times. And so until then, dear listener, take a look at some television, take a look at some media, have an important conversation, and realize and learn with us together that um, film is more than just 90 minutes spent eating popcorn or 45 minutes sitting on the couch. It is, uh, it is a conversation about society, the way the world's put together, and can help us live more meaningful lives. So until then, we'll see you next time. Sorry, everyone were everyone was making eyes at me. I was making eyes at Dustin. Oh. He always has eyes for you. I don't know. Only have eyes for you. Always would be more accurate. Always. I don't only have eyes for you. <laughs> I'm a harlot. Everyone's got sad feels. Okay.